0: On the Talkback Show, on the radio, or whatever audio-visual device you choose to use, welcome to the GBC Podcast, where we talk about the Packers and our hometown of Green Bay. This is Episode 64, created on December 13th, 2023. I'm John. I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin, along with me, Jeff in Minnesota, Neil on the East Coast, And our guest, Matt Freilich of Pack-A-Day Podcast. He's in Green Bay. Say hello, gentlemen, and tell us what you're drinking.
1: Hello, gentlemen. I'm drinking Lump of Coal. Tis the season, and it was the game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I was at the Packers-Giants game, and I'm going with a beer that is very much on that theme. It is from Other Half Brewing, which is from Brooklyn, is the Cheddar Imperial Dry Hopped Double IPA. Guys, I'm drinking water tonight. I do not
3: have a beer. I do not have a seltzer, (laughs) a mixed drink. I understand the precedent that's being set now, and I have a long way to overcome to gain back the trust of your listeners (laughs) and yourselves. So it's a Wednesday night for me, so we'll see what happens.
0: All right. You are not the first water drinker, but stay hydrated, my friend. Uh, I'm drinking a a beverage called a cow puncher. Not quite a beef swelling, but it is a cow (laughs) puncher. All right, you can find us on YouTube and Twitter at Green Bay Chat and Facebook at the GBC Podcast, Green Bay Chat. And big news, the audio is now available on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify by searching for Green Bay Chat. This week, we're going to take a look at that Packers game against the Giants. And what's coming up this week with our guest, we'll talk some tailgating playlists and Packer podcasting. And we'll, of course, preview the Packers-Buccaneers game with Baker Mayfield coming to town one more time but first things first gentlemen taking a look at this game at metlife stadium i have just
2: one question for the three of you what the fuck
3: It's a good question. Well,
2: the, the, the good news is that we can't just single out one portion of the team, right? We can blame the offense, we can blame the defense, we can blame the special teams. Every single part of our team played a role, and oh, let's not forget about the coaching as well.
3: It's nasty, nasty. I, Neil, the fact that you're at that game—that's—it's always different perspective, right? You know, I was at the Chiefs game; that's where you and I met that weekend, and great game to be at. Sometimes you lose context of being at games. Or not a game's a different experience, but yeah, I'm sure it looked ugly in person as it did on TV and just a, just a multitude of issues that happen that normally don't happen. And you were just like, let's just get out of the game. If we win it, fine. Let's just get the hell out of here and get back to Green Bay. And it was it was a nasty experience out in the Big Apple.
2: So it was funny as far as the experience between Packers and Giants fans at the game. So I'd say it was probably about 30% Packers fans at the game, and the Giants fans felt very beat down. It was actually very similar to when all of us were at the Packers-Broncos game out in Denver earlier this year, and that the opposing fans, the home team fans, didn't have a lot of expectations for the game. They weren't really loud as far as the cheering, at least until it got to be the fourth quarter. But the, one of the comments I heard at the end of the game was, well, at least we weren't out cheered within our own stadium for a change. And I think that's sort of the overall Giants' experience on this season. We had a team. With the Packers fans that had a lot of expectations after our recent run, a team that didn't have expectations, even with their young Danny DeVito or Tommy DeVito or whoever you want him to call him. And yet their team kept up their momentum and our team did not, although neither team to be fair, actually played a good game. Both teams made plenty of mistakes and that's what actually gave us opportunities throughout the game. That's why we're able to stay close despite all of the errors we made is because they were certainly going almost one for one, with us as far as making errors
1: it was just bad football things that you really never really see you know saquon barkley's he tripped over his own feet fumble there was just time after time where it was just where the refs were were stopping the game and we're, were kind of going along and just things happening that were just weird and generally not positive
3: positive. and it's really i hate to be that person because we talked about this before the recording like i have coached athletics you guys have been around athletics it's really really tough to single out a referee an umpire etc but when a game is going so poorly and the momentum of the game is being impacted by questionable timing of things or just taking a long time to make a decision on something like you mentioned, Jeff, that really irritates you. And it's just in the back of my head, some goofy things. The one that comes to mind was the, the block in the back, which was like, that's not a block in the back. I was screaming at my television. I'm sure like many
2: other people were. Or the defensive pass interference early on as well. Right. I mean, it's just, but by the same token, the game didn't actually start out as poorly as it it started out poorly for our offense, but thankfully the giants started out poorly as well. And we were the team that scored first. Now it took five drives, which would be all of the drives we had in the first half of the game against the chiefs. It took five drives before we scored. We were still well into the first quarter at that point, but we did actually get first blood in that game. And it started out with a play that we may regret having worked so well later on with Jaden Reed running the ball for 20 yards and a touchdown. And that sort of set the tone for the game for better, for worse.
1: Well, that jet sweep just okay, it works once. Okay, it doesn't work the second time, or it kind of works the third time. So let's try it fourth and fifth and sixth. And and so finally, you know, not like I told you so, but you know, I was texting these guys. I'm like, stop the jet sweeps because you can't keep running this wide receiver into the line, and ultimately, you know, he left the game. It was, you know, fortunately at the end of the game, but nonetheless. He he left with a concussion at the end of the game or concussion well,
2: protocol. Yeah, I mean you said it was before the two-point protocol that you you said he's going to get fucking killed. And well, guess <laughs> yes. what happened? He got injured. Yeah.
3: Tough when you need two yards to go east-west as well. Like let's not, what are we doing? And then my favorite part, not favorite, third or fourth <laughs> time they did it, they decided to add a wrinkle to it, a flea flicker wrinkle. That was sniffed out immediately. Well, because the Giants had
2: just run a flea flicker, to be fair, right in the previous drive.
3: Copycat league, as we know. But, like, what do we do? (laughs) Like, run it once or twice, you get away with it, great. But we can't run the whole offense around this. So, I, it's yeah, spamming that button a little bit too much.
1: Yeah, exactly. Fool me once, fool me twice. And that was pretty much it, right? I mean, it it wasn't that particularly successful. And so what does that say then for Quadzilla, right? Because you're like – Okay, you, you like you said, you're running east-west, you're not running north-south, you've got a 250-pound guy, you got two yards, you know, make it happen, or two and a half yards, make it happen.
2: Even Taylor, right? Taylor had a really good game running the ball, and did we need as many of those trick plays as we had in the game? And I think it's pretty clear that the answer is no, but those trick plays were part of our offense, but let's, you know, not let any of the other units off the hook. Uh, I decided to make a list as I was going through and reviewing the game of all of the various, oh no. all of the units it... had in this game. And um, this is certainly the longest that... of such lists that one would have this season.
0: That looks like Carlin's list of dirty words. Neil.
2: <laughs> the expanded one, not just seven. Yes. Yeah. The red
3: the red pen is Giving me PTSD of an eighth grader, maybe taking a spelling <laughs> test with just red pen everywhere, too. That, that's a lot of good. That's
0: Matt, impressive. To be, Matt,
2: to be fair, I am a professor, so I am a lover fair. of the red pen. But
0: <laughs> Neil is a connoisseur of punching himself in the nuts. And he really enjoys <laughs> watching these games over and over. The term we coined here, Matt, is, is a beef swellington. When you okay. go back and, and watch the game. <laughs> yes, <you're... laughs> You give yourself a beef, swellington Rewatching a game like this. I'm so go ahead, that. Neil. I'm let's... taking and I'm taking
3: and using that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of my, a lot of my family members on my dad's side will love that term. I As long you as
0: you that. give us credit for that when it takes off, that's all we want. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Neil, you may as well start punching
2: away. Where, where, I, I, where I, does your th- list begin? I, I don't really want to go through everything. I mean. <laughs> We, we, I mean, let's let's, let's go to the special teams. We talked about the offense fuck ups a little bit. We talked hats. about yeah. the yeah. defensive. Yes. Yeah, so
1: this was coined, I don't know, a couple seasons ago when when we just basically had enough with the special teams <laughs> and we had to come up with a a different word. They they were not special teams. I mean, well, not even not even like,
2: with special in quotes. Uh, not exactly. even special. Yes. So
1: the term asshats was was born at that point, and <laughs> and unfortunately they have lived down to their, their moniker. And, and it's, it's interchangeable. It's not only just the Packer ass hats. It's, it's whenever, you know, there's a special teams miscue or doink or whatever you'll have for other teams as well. But you know, there are ass hats too. Right. And so Neil, take it away with our assets.
2: <laughs> yeah. Let's just start, start out with the illegal block side back. We lose six yards in our first ass hats opportunity. After we got the ball and had to punt, Whelan has his punt. And then, of course, the punt was so bad that Ford ended up running completely over their uh, person who was trying to catch the ball. It looked on paper like a great button. It goes 53 yards, except it really only went, you know, whatever, 35 and then rolled the rest of it. And, you know, Rudy Ford destroying their player. That gave them the field position that they needed early on in the game. And <sighs> thankfully, we got lucky with, I mean, a lot of our mistakes in the game we ended up not paying for. For example, for the two offensive turnovers in the first half, the Giants scored zero points after our first two turnovers in the first half. We got lucky in some of those cases, but eventually you keep making those mistakes. And obviously the Keyshawn Nixon muff in the second half was the killer. You're going to eventually pay for it. And we made enough of those defense and special teams uh, mistakes and offensive uh, mistakes over the game. Obviously the other big one was the Anders Carlson missed field goal, but the Anders Carlson was built on other mistakes that we had made and specifically doing a stupid gadget play. And then Jordan love taking a sack because once again, we decided to get too cute and then we became desperate. And then this was something that was a theme early in the season. We made enough early mistakes. We just put ourselves into big holes and in enough situations, this game, we put ourselves into those holes as well. It looked like we were reverting to six weeks ago in many ways, but not overall. And there were a lot of positives in the game. It's just hard to really focus on those positives when it's just, you're constantly being beaten by, well, all of these negatives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So really the only thing the asshats didn't do was have uh, an extra point, Mr. Blocked. They would have run the table at that point. <laughs>
3: Neil, I don't know if you were a part of the conversation at uh, Badger State Brewing, but I had asked Andy, isn't it nice that the end of a game now, we don't necessarily have special teams under a microscope? Well... Oops! It was you! I mean, (laughs) holy cow, like, I literally thought about that halfway through the game, I'm like, man, I... It's not out the window yet, but boy, like, can they keep bringing it up, right? All the penalties we have on special teams throughout the broadcast. It's like, wow, this is not as good as we think it was for the last 13 weeks. Like, it's crazy. So,
2: I don't know. Let's just go, go to it, right? The Packers special teams, the Packers assets are 28th by DVOA. I think... We've watched enough games. We know that, yeah, this is not because DVOA does something weird. It's yeah, that fits, that matches the eye test as far as how our special teams are playing. There is, you know, the the biggest positive of our special teams as well. Keyshawn Nixon leads the NFL in kickoff return yards, but when he's he's basically picking them all five, six, seven yards deep, and yes, he's adding a lot of total yards because the NFL counts it from five yards deep. But it's not like we're getting great field position consistently off the kickoffs. When we return it. Yeah,
3: there is a strategic play there, right? Like maybe just, I don't know, let it go throughout the end zone like everyone else does. Or there's the new rule, which I know a lot of people aren't liking. You can fair catch, fair catch certain frames. So it's like, yeah. what are we doing? If you can get the ball to 25, screw it. I And that was the first opening kickoff. He took it back and it was at the 25. I was like, well, that's good. But you didn't need to do any of that. There was a risk for no reward.
1: And too often, as we just said, there's penalties, which it's a detriment then. And, and you're losing a ton of yards suddenly instead of starting at the 25 you're at the 10 or the or the yeah. you know the 15 or the 20 with such a penalized team or penalized asshats it's really not worth it and but that doesn't seem to have like sunk in or changed or no. and this is sort of what is the definition of futility right doing the same things kind of over and over again and so you know do we want to switch to the defense now because
3: <laughs> can absolutely Get into it. like there's <laughs> speaking there's of not futility much, there's not much to write home about I mean there's a few things that have been positive I think Isaiah McDuffie's been a positive you know force with Quay Walker that's been cool I never thought Isaiah would be more than a special teamer the young secondary that we came into the year with cornerbacks being a, a bright spot has been equally as injured as anywhere else in this team you got Carrington Valentine playing Corey Valentine, his brother or twin or whatever you want to call it right it's just And now we have the safety, yeah. (laughs) Stunt doubles a great one. Like it's just, I don't know. And you know, Gary's getting involved once in a while, and Vanessa has been hit or miss. It's just a a lot of injuries. I think it's easy to quantify that, but the underlying issue is, as many would say, is still Joe Barry. And I think there's a lot of merit to that with all the talent you have there. I mean, as much as you want to, around this time of the year, never wish for any man or woman to lose their job right before Christmas. Maybe. January 2nd would be a good time to move away from Joe and let him find a new employer. Cause it's it, the thing I'd come back to is just all the talent. That's really what it is. It's really well, all, right. all the you've first got, round picks. Go ahead, John.
0: You've got a game where the team that has given up more sacks than any other team in the league gives up zero sacks in this game. And a team that you've got, as you said, Rashawn Gary has been thriving. You know, he's looking to get his name on, on the single season list for the Packers for how many sacks he's going to get. He was, What do you have a total of three tackles in the game? And there just was no life coming from this defense, getting in, putting pressure on the quarterback on top of letting Tommy DeVito
2: run the ball. I mean, he looked like Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson out there, the the way he ran it. Right. And it's not like that's the first time we've seen that this year. In fact, we just saw it with Patrick Mahomes a week before we saw it with Justin Herbert. Obviously we saw it fields earlier in the year. We are allowing quarterbacks even ones that are not particularly known for their speed in order to make yards running and make up essentially for not passing the ball as much staying on the defense and what our defenders did and did not do i want to note that uh don'tavian wicks and tucker craft both had as many tackles as either preston smith or Corey ballantyne we and partly that's that they didn't have a lot of plays but and but still our offensive players should not be in the Uh, tackling uh, leaderboard along with players who are starters on that defense. I I think the only positive thing that we can say is at least our defense started out not terrible. We actually only allowed 28 yards and two first downs in the first quarter. So that's why we ended up being able to go ahead seven, nothing, but uh, it did not continue on that first quarter pace. And the two of four passing for three yards that Tommy DeVito had in the first quarter definitely was not something that continued. And Tommy DeVito being named the offensive player of the week, I think is really the punch in the nuts of this entire situation and uh, a statistic that, that people have put forth. There have only been two quarterbacks in NFL history that have had 80% plus completions, zero sacks, 70, 70 plus rushing yards in a game, two in all of NFL history, Tommy DeVito this year against the Packers and Justin Fields last year against the Packers. That's the sum total of allowing high efficiency passing and a lot of running yards without sacks or turnovers.
1: Sort of getting back to that futility piece. So as you said, what we see is we see the defensive line get a push, and then there's like there's nothing for literally like 10 or 15 yards. Right. So wouldn't there be a spy or like somebody that that, you know, something where they don't essentially break containment or or whatever you want to call it, where they get like five or ten or fifteen free yards. And, and that's the part that's like, okay, if it happens once, all right, somebody didn't contain or whatever. But if it keeps happening, that's gotta be the scheme, right? A, I mean,
3: there's a, so I, I play a lot of Madden competitively. Like <laughs> it's it's fun. I love it. I've done sure. it since I was a, a wee lad and putting a spy on the field it some of it applies to real football some of it doesn't I think the spy to your point is once in a while it's used sparingly with someone that is crazy like John mentioned Lamar Jackson Michael Vick Mm. uh whomever now I think there is something I was listening to Andy Herman he was doing a a live stream for Packaday on YouTube and he I was listening before we hopped in here and he was talking about the person he had on it she was talking about Kenny Clark mentioning something about getting the luxury to rush the passer And what I think she meant by that or his comments were, you know, we can rush four, but we're kind of just containing. We're kind of just making sure nothing crazy happens, whether it be within a run fit, within the A gap, B gap, to the outside. We can't go crazy like a Clay Matthews and over-pursue something and hope we get there, and then all of a sudden it breaks free. And I I kind of somewhat agree, but I think of that comes back to coaching. Like, you can't can't tell me that we can't rush four or five, have Rayshon Gary off the edge on – the worst offensive line in the league without Evan Neal to get a sack on Tommy DeVito. Like there's just, that can't happen. And for him to escape the pocket, all their players have done this time and time again, that's, there's some negligence going on there and we need to look internally as one does January 1st, New Year's resolution.
0: Let's, let's figure this out. <laughs> Well, there's also, you know, we can talk about the game like all the way through what the defense cause... didn't didn't do, but then you get to the point where you now have a leak. You've taken your lead. You've got your one-point lead. There's a little over, what, a minute and a half left in the game. Your defense needs to stop the offense from moving down the field. And the question is, does, does Joe Barry not know the difference between pass defense and passive defense? Is it possible he thinks those are the same word? Because that's what that defense was on that final drive. Did he think that they had to score a touchdown? Because that's the way those cornerbacks, the defensive backs, were playing off. They're playing 15 yards downfield at the snap, like they're trying to prevent a touchdown. And it wasn't even methodical. It was just too easy moving that ball into field goal position. And it was so painful to watch. It was easily the most painful two minutes of football I think I've watched in a long time.
3: Matt LaFleur, super nice guy. I think he would be, a, you know, he's a great asset to the city. I think he's a great, it seems like he's a great husband, great father. He's a cool dude. That's great. And I think it also carries over into his line of work. He's great with the guys around him. Doesn't want to ruffle too many feathers. He's got some older gentlemen with him, Rich Passaccia, et cetera, Joe Barry. But finally, even Matt LaFleur said something this past week, or I think it was in the press conference yesterday. And he said, Joe called man coverage and we're playing way off, which we shouldn't be. Yeah, I- no no shit no no kidding but thank <laughs> thank you for saying that in a press conference because generally he kind of takes it on himself which i appreciate as a leader but at the end of the day man like that's passing defense like that's, passive defense we got to figure out how to stop them from getting a first down that's
0: whoever's lined that's, up in front see, of them that's that's an adjustment that i would have liked about 48 hours ago
2: But but even going to tommy devito's statistics right going into that final drive he only had 105 passing yards on that final drive 4 of 4 453 yards he got a third of his passing yards in the game on that last drive when he only essentially passed it down to the 20 yard line or so and then they just ran out the clock essentially but a third of his passing yards were within a minute 33 left on the clock or less
3: i would think you'd want to play some press coverage right make it tough for him to get it in a window against these C plus receivers that they really, I mean, they don't have a, right. I, if they have a number one, I don't know where he is. And if they have a number two, he's probably joined him somewhere else as well. Like it's, you'd think you'd be able to challenge them a little bit to not make it like a, a seven on seven walkthrough. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's, no. And that,
1: and that's exactly what it looked like. And I mean, we even had Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, if they're calling it out, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, was just like, it was embarrassing. It was just like, how can this be happening when everybody in the building knows that they need a field goal to try to win. So yeah, that' not good football.
2: Let's finish up with the other key Joe Barry statistic from the game, which is the <laughs> Packers defense now is allowed four games this year of 200 or more rushing yards. That is the most the Packers have allowed 200 or more rushing yards in a game since 1983. John, Jeff, and I remember the 1983 season. That was the no defense at all season. It was fun to watch because we had Lofton and Jefferson and Dickey slinging the ball all over the place. But the Packers allowed six 200-plus yard rushing games back in '83. But that's our precedent. And if the precedent goes back to when we were kids, that's a bad precedent for the Packers.
1: (laughs) Yes, almost. Yeah. No matter. Really, with with no exception. I mean, if if you're bringing up '70s and '80s teams where we're we're starting to hit those marks. That's not a positive thing at all.
3: I don't know about you guys. And I know this isn't our, you know, our full time. Unfortunately, job isn't to observe the Green Bay Packers or watch NFL football, but I like to quantify it towards like business stuff. That's sometimes a good way because we all work in lines of work. And I think there's an institutional problem with the run defense. It's really not Joe Barry's fault. The personnel they've trended toward bringing in a little bit bigger bodies up front in the trenches, but it's an institutional problem that we haven't been able to figure out how to stop the run defense for a long time. Like a really, really long time. And I don't know what changes that. More first round picks in interior, maybe. I don't know, but they just can't figure it out. And I don't know what needs to be changed. My guess offhand is thinks it's something, how they practice, maybe. I, I don't know, but it's, it's ugly. If you guys are referencing stuff from the 80s, I was not born then, but I do know from my <laughs> elders in history that the 80s of the Green Bay Packers football, we tried to forget. We drank through it. So I uh, mm-hmm. it's I don't want to reference anything from those times.
2: The quote that I like to make is that in our youth, so the time from when we basically remember the Packers as at age five until we were in at the end of high school, we had two winning seasons. 8-7-1 and one in 1978, 5-3-1 and one in the 82 strike season. That was the sum total of our winning years in our youth and anytime there's a reference back to that it's not going to be a good reference for the current team
1: well and man it's interesting so you brought up you know the the run defense has been bad for a number of years well the same thing with special teams and i think that may even go back longer right so you're right so what is even after regime changes right i mean literally front office changes and coaching changes and why is this still happening you know we finally had it sort of in with the asshats but i mean just they've been like in the bottom third, at least, of the league for like a decade or more. So oh, yeah. you know, you're right. So in in terms of a business, center, like how do you fix this? Don't go question, right, obviously, but yeah, you know, it would be tough. It's nice
3: it <laughs> the
0: million dollar question, Jeff. Yeah. That everybody's trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. it's so yeah.
3: hard. It's so hard. And I think the special teams one is layered. I think the run defense is pretty straightforward, right? You can't stop a guy running. That's pretty easy. But like special teams. <laughs> Special teams, there's a lot. And I think the special teams that I always referenced late 2000s, early 2010s was like, we can't get good returns, right? We can't do that. And like, we had consistent, you know, Mason Crosby, whoever the punters, you know, circled through, Mastay, et cetera, John Ryan. But like, then there came a point where it was so negligent that we were going to set a record for the least amount of return yards. And we brought in a guy, it was Trayvon Smith off the street to try to get us just net positive yards. So it's like, it reached a point where it was so bad we get Passaccia, he brings in his guy, Keyshawn Nixon, there's some great stuff there, but then it's like, well, we focus on this certain part, but this other part, we have a young guy, and we have the process is young with Whelan, and Carlson, and the holder, and the snapper, and we can't figure, long snapper is a rotating cycle, which no one talks about the long snapper ever, he's the last guy thought of all the time, and it's just, it's complicated, it's gross, and I don't know neither of them are seem to be easy to fix but back to both of our points jeff it's like it's gone on for at least a decade in one direction or the other i don't know why you can't get better at it i don't know what what the answer is
0: and you know this is joe barry's third season in green bay god willing his last i mean it's the fire joe barry chant has been going on since he's been here and and we can't really beat that horse any further just other than to say let's see what happens when this season plays out it's been a long three years, but the offense, Neil, I mean, there are some bright spots on this offense. We've talked about it all season, Jeff, the, the growing pains. There were a lot of growing pains I thought on Monday night. And and I had visions of Brett Favre in the national spotlight games where he would spend the whole first half of the game, overthrowing his receivers or wasn't on target because that adrenaline rush was probably so high. And I kind of felt the same thing about Jordan love on Monday night that he just wasn't hitting his targets but he got better as the game went up. Kind of the 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 ongoing theme of the season, Neil, is it gets better as it goes on.
2: John, I think your analogy is completely correct there as far as Brett Favre and just sort of adjusting to the game and adjusting to the adrenaline. I also was not a big fan of Jordan Love going sleeveless. I'm generally not a fan of players going sleeveless and it was cold. I think I had eight layers on at MetLife Stadium and it felt colder than the predicted weather was going to be. I'd like my players to be nice and comfortable so they can focus on what they need to do rather than focusing on how manly they are showing off you know, their, their, their skin. But yeah, I mean, obviously love missed a lot of passes early in the game and that didn't help us. Although, Some of them, it's not entirely clear where, whether it was, you know, did Wicks, I I, I still don't think our receivers know all of their routes perfectly. And, you know, there's certainly a mixture of Love and those receivers, but, you know, we did move the ball reasonably in the first half. Love ended up the first half 13 of 20 for 116 yards. So only a 5.8 yard per attempt average, but not a disaster. Obviously the fumble and the interception in the second quarter hurt us. Although in the end, they didn't score off of those. So that was not a a fatal situation situation we ended up the first half ahead in the game 10 to 7 and we also had more first downs than the Giants and more yards than the Giants did we had 175 yards in the first half so it wasn't a terrible offensive show in that first half it's just that yes there were all of those things that were missing and the third quarter is really where the offense laid an egg and we only had two first downs in the entire third quarter we had one passing yard in the third quarter one passing yard and 39 yards of total offense in the third quarter. And if you want to look at where we fell behind both on the scoreboard, but also just looking at the stats, you could tell that that's where the, the fall was. We made a reasonable comeback attempt in the fourth quarter, at least as far as the offense was concerned, but. If you've got a quarter with with only one yard of passing offense, you know that your team is struggling. And I, I just want to know what happened to the third quarter Packers, right? The, the first half of the year, it's like, well, can't we get the third quarter Packers all year? Now we're getting the third quarter Packers or the first quarter Packers. And uh-huh. let's get those old third quarter Packers back. And let's see those halftime adjustments that see us moving down the field and dominating the other team in the third quarter again. Yeah, it's one, the, yard? one yard? <laughs> one passing yard in the third quarter, yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: And I'll admit, during that during the first half, I kept saying, "Oh, I can't wait for the third quarter because I know this team comes out of halftime so well." And boy, was that third quarter a letdown! Yeah, I, one, yard? <laughs> one yard, one yard, one. I, I appreciate
3: you finding that, Neil. Like I, you know, I don't I don't get as granular in the as I probably should, but that's nuts. One yard is one yard. Yes, Jeff. One yard. How is that possible? <laughs> Man, it's it's difficult. I think there's a lot to unpack from everyone what they're saying. I think. I love the fact that, Neil, you being a professor, talking about, hey, let's not <laughs> let's not worry about you being manly or, or let's approach this from an intelligence standpoint. Let's just wear some under armor. Like, why do you guys, do, especially a quarterback, like, you're not Kenny Clark. You're not Gilbert Brown. You're not trying to, you know, be a nasty guy in the trenches. You're trying to focus on getting the ball out of your hand. And to John's point, man, there were some throws that were stupid. I think the one that I remember most was, I think it was a leak out of the backfield on a third down from AJ Dillon. And he kind of threw it like up and over his shoulder to try to lead him to the sideline. I'm like, well, wouldn't it make more sense? I'm an idiot, but hit him in the waistline so he can at least turn and make a move either way. Now I understand that fast guy is going to be able to break on you quicker and you're not going to have that opportunity to, to decide. But I know for a fact, catching it up here is not as easy as maybe to have him turn. So there was just stuff like that that was pissing me off. And it's like, you're missing by a couple feet. And that's nothing when it comes to golf or horseshoes, but a couple of feet is like, we got to be able to, and, and AJ Dillon, we're not throwing it to Devante Adams, a guy with a huge catch rate, or Dontavian Wicks who I'm excited to see develop. But like, man, you can't be throwing a guy like that when he's just trying to get a couple of yards. So it's, there's a lot of things going on there. And the route tree thing is there's some been pro- some progress. I went to, I was fortunate enough to go to a couple of training camps this year. Uh, I believe it was the one where the inner squad practice with the, the Patriots, which was, quite a debacle if anyone was there remembers it but a lot of uh, Bill Belichick getting his veteran guys to kind of to bully around the young Packers and it worked they did damn well they shut the they shut it down every play because there was a scuffle but one play in particular I remember Malik Heath who's was a darling couldn't figure out how to run an RPO slant like couldn't get on the same page with Alex Magoo at the time and it was like What's going on? And he's developed. He had a good game, you know, in the national spot. That's great. But there is some developmental things with the the nuances with the offense, how it's read, certain checks. And I think they're all figuring that out. And no one's, you know, no one's to blame other than they're just somewhat, you know, new to what this offense looks like. And they're also taking it over from a new leader, being Jordan Love. They don't have Aaron Rodgers to rely on with his arm talent that can throw you open if you ran a route, maybe a couple yards short or long. So it's, there's a lot going on there. But I, I will say I'm optimistic of where the receivers are. We are getting a lot of national attention from that weapon group. Um, it's fun. It's great. I wish our boy 33 Aaron Jones was there to kind of reap some of the benefit of these yeah. production. And there's a whole saga between McCarthy area to the LaFleur era that seems like maybe it's not completely their fault. There are times where he goes out of the stat sheet and out of the snap count, mostly injury related. But at the end of the day, I'm excited where the receivers are they've made opportunities, right? Tucker Kraft even made an opportunity, you know, some big plays with his opportunities now with Musgrave down. So we'll see what happens, but there's a young team and it sucks. And it, I hate to say that and use that, but it, it's kind of where we're at.
2: Well, I mean, Tucker Kraft, I think is one of the, so it it really does suck that Luke Musgrave is injured, but Tucker Kraft is fully taking advantage of oh, that yeah. space. And now what I really want to see is I want to see Kraft and Musgrave on the field at the same time. And while well, that may not happen until next season, the opportunities that Kraft has had to demonstrate his abilities and just his absolute fearlessness he is just not going to back down for anyone when he's got that football he's just going to run you over and he doesn't care and I love seeing that from Tucker Kraft. he was our leading receiver with 64 yards. Overall, though our receiver group, it definitely showed that lack of experience, that lack of Christian Watson. And I don't think that can be underestimated the role that our best receiver was not on the field, but our receivers overall had 17 receptions for only 107 yards on 29 targets, 3.7 receiving yards per target for a wide receivers it's going to be a tough game when that's the way it goes but that was a lot scheming as well and just all of the really short throws to Jaden reed certainly didn't help that situation
1: yeah it was like when love started having problems or issues throwing it down the field they they went to sort of the the bears check down or whatever you want to call it right and so they're throwing it i mean that that stat for reed what was at eight catches for 27,
2: uh, 27 yards 27
1: yards i mean that's bizarre for at least for a Packers stat. I mean, for, you know, if you're a Bears wide receiver, it's like, yeah, right on. All right. (laughs) But, but, and that, that was the one that that struck me, you know, they were trying to, you know, target him obviously, but he wasn't getting the yards after the catch or they was just again, that, that East West versus, you know, moving the ball downfield. And, And that's what was sort of almost inexplicable in this game in that the prior games, they were moving it down the field, right? The big chunk plays, You were having these big, good downfield passes, even if they weren't completed, they were throwing the damn ball down the field. And that really wasn't happening in this game. It was this dink and dunk shit that, you know, it got them the lead and, you know, but I mean, there could have been so, so much more, it seemed like.
2: Well, the other thing is if you're playing a lot of short passes, this seems like a situation where you should be using two tight end sets more. And the fact is that Ben Sims and, Josiah Deguara had no receptions for either of them. Sims had 10 plays on offense, Deguara 7. We only had 25% of our snaps with two tight ends, and if you really are going to be doing a lot of the short things, if, and our running game was moving, this is something that would seem to also benefit from two tight ends. We did very little two tight ends, especially compared to the last couple of games, and this seems like it would have been an opportunity against the Giants.
3: Agreed. Like Ben Sims has had some flashes in a few games. Like that's, it's been great to see Deguara. I couldn't be more out on like, man, that was a bad pick and we won't even get into any more of that. But I would agree with you hundred percent, Neil, like if you're going to run the ball, we know AJ Dillon's a volume runner. He has to run the ball 20 to 25 times to maybe even come close to 80, 90 yards. So <laughs> put your best players forward. I do think to both of your points, that you brought like Christian Watts not being there. I don't necessarily feel he's ever gonna be a true number one. That's just my opinion. I think he has a potential to be top off the defense, a much better, much better. I'm not even quantifying comparing them, a much better MVS. I think his skill set is better, his attitude is better, he's a better teammate, he's better. A lot, I could say a lot of better things about Christian <laughs> Watts than MVS on a personal level or even on a, a professional level. But I like what Christian Watson brings, but without him out there, we've seen the anemic offense without him being able to stretch the field. And that's huge. That doesn't open up opportunities for crossing routes. Doesn't open up those little bubble screens that Jane Reed's getting for 27 yards to open up things. That that impacts it too. And sticking to the offense, like, I don't know if you guys noticed early in the game, and I try to understand kind of like what the play looks like, what they motion into. And then the first couple seconds of a play, generally on offense, defense really tough to see because they're moving around, but they were doing a lot of like getting certain, uh, run fit set up by motioning a guy in and mm-hmm. then they were doing this weird thing and I don't necessarily love it because it takes longer Jeff you got it the twirl finger it was like it was like a misdirection but they were using it to set up those end arounds later in the game which I understand that and I think maybe something has to do with KV on Thibodeau they didn't want to have off the edge so there's a lot of stuff going on there but at the end of the day can we just run the snot of the ball between the tackles and see if we can blow them out. I know Dexter Lawrence is a damn good football player, but damn, can we try to overpower a little bit? Like there's, there's a lot going on there and it's all connected somehow, but at the end of the day, not a great offense without Aaron Jones and Christian Watson, who, who would guess.
2: And one other variant that we didn't try at all in that game, that the Giants did a lot. So in the game, you hear a lot of player X reports as eligible player, Y reports as eligible. There were, there were a number of plays that Giants had two linemen reporting as eligible on the plays, And the Packers had zero plays in which they went with six offensive linemen, which yes, normally this is something that's justifiable. But if you've got to do something different, if you want to sort of change things up, you want to force some running plays to convert on a third and two, not have to do a jet sweep. Well, maybe sometimes you just run it down their throat for a change and even tell them what you're going to do and just smash them up to bits. And no more Mercedes Lewis,
3: we know. So it seems like it would make sense to plug that guy in that is your de facto number six lineman. And we've also been rotating linemen in. Like these aren't mm-hmm. guys that are coming off fresh. It would be a very simple thing when you're rotating a guy in, to sneak another guy in that was on the last drive, kind of make sure he's eligible and do something creative. Creative mm-hmm. is a fun thing to do. And they're just not seeming to do that. that. The offensive line rotation thing is wild to me. I didn't even know what was going on at the Chiefs game because I was more concerned about chirping Travis Kelsey so I was right behind the, but it's like this is going on. I didn't realize this was happening. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, Sean Ryan had 12 snaps. Nyman had 17 snaps in the game. So yeah, the, the you know essentially a quarter of the plays we are rotating in somebody different from our starting five offensive line.
1: Well, and and just to put kind of maybe the final point on this when sure. that when Tucker Craft talked about bringing the violence to the defender. Oh my God. And so when he was out front, when Love fumbled, Tucker was out front. He had two, he was blocking two guys and Love kind of, he was running behind him. And I think if he would have got the corner again, if maybe whatever, but Love stopped and like his entire momentum stopped and he got tackled. And that's when he kind of got bent back and he got fumbled. Okay, you've got your tight end. Who's looking to run people over, who enjoys this, maybe take advantage of this a little more too.
3: Yeah. I mean, you saw Tommy DeVito scramble and take a hit from Keyshawn. Like, I mean, I don't want my quarterback right. potential yeah. franchise quarterback going out yeah. there and getting gr- gross with it and getting jacked up. But it's like, man,
0: right? there, Even, there is a case in point to really, Hey, I got to go get this. And yeah. it didn't happen there. All right. Enough with the beef swelling. Tin. Yes. It was a 24, 22 loss, but let's look ahead. Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into town. It's a mid-December matchup with a warm Florida team. And before the game happens, what do we do, Neil? We tailgate. And let's get ready to tailgate. Matt, you do some uh, music for tailgating. Tell us about your, what is your game day like? Where do you hang out and what do you do on a home game?
3: Great question. So I'm going to go on a long version of this because why not? It's podcasting. So I've lived here since like for 15 years, right? And part of my thing was coming to college here and living here since. And Definitely realized fortunate to live in an area where the Green Bay Packers play, my favorite team. So had to get to a game at least once a year. Pretty achievable, right? I mean, whether we're broke college kid or have a family member that has tickets, you're always finding a way in. And so it's been it's been fluid, I would say, over the last five six years. A little bit more consistent as life does when you get a little bit older. Um, but generally, the last I would say, you know, generally it's with a group of friends. Whether it's friends that can tolerate me. Hollering at the TV during a game, or also match my same vibe and energy. Kids have came along, so we have young kids that maybe will watch the game or don't, so they have to be occupied. Wives, etc. So we have to you have to be conscious of that. But generally, it's either at the stadium watching or at a home. I. I don't say refuse to watch a game out in a bar, but it's just really difficult for me for a multitude of reasons, which I won't, it's just, it's difficult. It's a lot uh, more comfort in either of those spaces. So over the last couple of years though, um, definitely have gone out of my way more and more to When I have family members, coworkers, uh, friends coming to town, like I did for the Chiefs game, making sure my home or wherever I'm staying at the time is like ready for people to go. So it's very fluid based off of that. If people are coming to town, I want to make sure they're having a good day. I know where the best park to park is, best way to navigate through here. Oh, we don't want to park on this side of the stadium. It's a longer walk. Here's where we tailgate. Kind of just, you know, give people the resources they need. So I try to adhere to that. If there's people not coming to town for the game, which there always are later and later and later. A noon game, I try to be a productive adult in the morning. And then by about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, make sure those fantasy rosters are set, start freaking out more, throw the jersey on, and then and then we rock and roll. But generally, to your point though, John, like food – beverages and music is a big part of it M- music to me is uh you know it's it brings people together i think i found my passion for music when i was you know maybe a little bit younger with my brothers but definitely when i got into my college years i think you just open up your perspective to more and more and sharing music and passions and different arts and with the software we have now i know jeff leans on more of the physical copies <laughs> jeff i appreciate the physical copies i also have Brothers who are super, as they do, you know, now a little bit hipster, getting into the the uh, the vinyls, which is, I think there's time and place for everything, all all of it. You can't yeah. bring a record player. Maybe no. John's tried it. You <laughs> could bring <laughs> it. No, I'm not bringing any vinyl on game day. Okay, okay, no. you could. And I was gonna say if you've done it, I would be impressed. But you know, my thing is like, you know, I like to start, and I had a playlist for maybe the first half of the season with a couple songs. And when I say couple, truly like eight or nine songs. I would play them as I was getting kind of ready for the day play him in the back or maybe on repeat four or five times. But um, I, I just know from making a playlist, set it, forget it. It's great. It's, you know, I like to control a lot of things, a little bit of a type a and like if I can control the music and I'd make the time ahead of time and it's good. And I know the playlist is great and I get some people to collaborate on it. It's amazing. So that's when I met Neil that week, leading up to the Kansas city chiefs game. I had a bunch of friends coming into town from Philadelphia. That friend's been to about 60 Packer games in his life. We had another friend coming from Omaha who drove all the way. Shout out to him. I don't know how he did that. Got his butt up here. We had a friend that they all knew from um, their swimming careers. They coached swimming at, at the collegiate level. And he, this was his first time in Lambeau Field. So we had to show him a great day. He's a Chiefs fan. So it was like, you know what? I have the time. We're going to make sure this is a great day. I had another friend of mine that was lives here. We're setting it up. So I'm like, you know, what? we got to get the playlist, right? The playlist is super important, John. So I was going through and I do, I do a lot of, I'm going to bring you guys a new term. I do a lot of toilet tinkering, fantasy Uh football, messaging on email, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I can make a, start making a playlist. I start making a playlist and I found a couple of them that are out there adding it to my Apple playlist. And then it kind of just grew. I found a software actually too, because I threw it out into Twitter and people told me the way that you can have it from Apple music to Spotify for free. Uh, so that's a huge thing because for a long time, 10 years ago, it seemed like Apple Music was the wave. Spotify is more. So I want to have it for everyone. That's important to me. It's everyone needs to be able to listen to it. Cause that's uh, without it. I'm on my own Island. No one wants to listen to it, no one's going to collaborate. So it was able to achieve that. And then it's like, Hey, we need a good thumbnail. What better thumbnail than the, the picture of Jordan love and the boys enjoying themselves at uh 4th of July up in door County with AJ Dillon's wife. The tune-ins have a nice spot up there. If you know the green Bay, uh, history tune have a good situation going and then we had a little photoshop took my amateur photoshop skills we got vince lombardi in the background on the uh <laughs> on the playlist so the playlist is the uh the official playlist for the green bay packers game day definitely not official i'd like it to be one day but i've already had a friend of mine reach out with a couple suggestions and we got we got a blend of things in there from new, really new stuff to some like lore classics like the green and yellow songs by little wayne to bang on the drum by todd Rungeon. like there's a ton of things on there from 70s weird polka Packerina songs to current day to stuff they're playing in the stadium so it's all a blend but i got thumbs up on it i mean people like people like the playlist john the reception was good so that was great
0: and that's and yeah you talk about there's a lot of the i don't know if parody is the right word but the, the packer songs where they take familiar songs and they change them to packer lyrics we do a lot of those we have the cheesehead with attitude songs that we do you certainly you have to play the bear still suck and we mix that in early with some other stuff and then they they do the tim the Die Hard packer fan and the wedge of allegiance as part of our tailgate party and then i, I go into some good like i call it the beer drinking rock and roll so early you know it's all the, the older guys that want to drink beer before the game so i got to play old guy beer drinking rock and roll early on and then usually about Uh, hour and a half before kickoff that's when the girls show up the girls want dance music they want they want the dance banger so i've been relying a lot on my teenage daughters to get the new hits and things like that so i've been listening to a lot of you know hits one on on sirius xm we listen to wixx certainly but our big playlist the kansas city game neil there was a lot of taylor swift (laughs) well over an hour of taylor swift music Mm -hmm. on that sunday night and I can tell you that it was very well appreciated by male and female Packer and Chiefs fans alike. They really enjoyed it. They got into it. Is it overplayed? Yeah, but it was fun. We had fun with the Taylor Swift. And by the way, Neil, Miss Taylor Allison Swift is 34 years old today. Did you know that?
2: If, of course I did, John. You know I'm a Swifty, so... <laughs> Yes, uh, mi- mi- uh, yes, 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 I, di- I, I did know that. And Taylor Swift's boyfriend is certainly said to be treating her very well tonight.
1: For those of you listening, Matt's expression when he found out uh, Neil's a Swifty
3: was. I Barry knew Swift. it. I knew it. I could. Yeah, I could yeah. sense it. I could. I met Neil yes, once virtually. Met him in person. I was like, I could sense this, this guy. This Swiftie, so,
2: yeah. so I, I was. I was at MetLife Stadium for the Packers Giants game. That was my first time at MetLife since I saw Taylor Swift in May of this year. So, um, it was a very different crowd at MetLife for the Giants versus Taylor Swift. Uh, I enjoyed the, the Taylor Swift concert a lot more than the Packers Giants game. Truth be told. Hmm.
0: All right, Matt. You mentioned. Bang the drum all day. The Todd Rundgren yep. song, it's the touchdown song. That's definitely on your playlist. What's a go-to banger? What's a song where if everybody's just kind of moping around, you say, I'm gonna jack this crowd up and I'm playing this song. What's your song?
3: You Gotta play to your crowd. That's the number one thing. You gotta know who you're dealing with, right? Speak to your audience. So if it's me and my five buddies that are all on the same demo as me, I might hit like a 2006 Rick Ross or little John song, right? It's a okay. bigger collective. Maybe my dad's there. Some of his buddies. We got to dip into uh, like a U2 song, like Vertigo is on there. Like okay. you got to, you have to, you have to, I think, respect your elders because <laughs> the younger generation, there's songs they we love that are 70s and 80s songs. We truly love them, but it doesn't work the same way. I can't play the both versions of green and yellow back to back and not have my dad look at me and say what the hell is this like you have to find but eventually you got to give us what we want right maybe you find that you you know split the needle or thread the needle like on um luke combs beer never broke my heart that's a that's a good one that gets the people going like that's a good beer drinking song so it's it's a variety i mean and then you go like you mentioned john you go to some of the cult classics like the Bears still suck. Pack Arena is one of my favorites. That's one where it's not on Spotify or Apple Music, but you know, a little hacking on the internet, you rip the YouTube video, you get the MP3, you put it on your playlist. It's there. Ha ha. Whatever. That's great. There's one I definitely want to plug. It's called um, Run the Table. Uh, it's a local uh, entity, the Wisco Kids. Um, they still produce music, but that actually has like half a million views on YouTube. They actually have in the music video they have Mark Murphy at the end of it because they he hosted them at the game the following night so that's a great one but it, it honestly like my favorite thing about a playlist is this says i have 150 songs eight hours nine hours it's great like keep adding to it because it's it yep. it evolves right it isn't a cd i used to burn off of limewire napster or a cassette tape you would buy it's ever evolving and that's good and bad i mean there's you can encapsulate that nostalgia and it's there forever and you can't fix it i remember the the ninety five ninety six um cd that the Packers had come out I don't know there was little cuts on there I think they talked about Mike Holmgren on his motorcycle all that like there's some great stuff there but like well, I can also just throw those and it's on my phone or I can send the playlist to my parents and they can listen to it so it's it's fluid one that I got real goofy with it was a commercial the Coors light commercial here's the football I like football on tv shot you have the, mm-hmm. hanging with my friends that's a 30 second one on here yep. Don't know if anyone would catch that when it's played, but the one person at the tailgate that catches it comes up to me and says, why are you playing that? That's the person I want to, you know, drink with. They, yeah. they got some, uh, they got a repertoire.
0: Well, and you're right, you, you play to the crowd. And so certainly as we get closer to the game, the songs that you, you know, are instantly recognizable, like Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue, the, the, the motorcycle, right? Or uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC. These are songs that, bam, they hit right yeah. away and people are ready to go. But I also get to play to my crowd. So the game that I knew Jeff and Neil were going to be there for the Rams game, I went with a lot of new wave. We went with a went with the early '80s type music. That it was basically an audience of three: <laughs> Jeff, Neil, and me. Because uh, it wasn't even
2: that popular at the time, to be fair. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, and I threw that. I threw these songs on, and and one song that literally the only the three of us would have known, "Always Saturday" by Guadalcanal Diary, was a fun song, and and you know, it was a wink and a nod between the three of us. I don't play you two a lot. I love you two, and I intentionally stay away from them because of that, because I don't want to get accused of playing too much of it. Uh, but I threw Desire on that day, and uh, we had. Yeah, we had what do we have in there, Jeff? The cure, depeche mode? What else did you oh it was it big was Big Country?
1: I, yeah. Yeah, the, that Guadalcanal diary though, that that was <laughs> that that took <laughs> that goes back to uh spring of eighty-nine, that one. Right. So, yep. yeah, you you had pointed that out too. And but I appreciate that. But yeah, play your audience and you know it it's just it it's another element to the tailgate that's just that's mm-hmm. super enjoyable. You know, Matt, to your point, it, it's different when you you know. You you uh, change it up a little bit, right? It's this kind of living, breathing thing that you can manipulate a little bit. And and John, you've certainly had enough experience with knowing your audience, and you know even with the time and things like that. And that that's what makes it fun, and and just another aspect to to celebrate, you know, hanging out with your friends or hanging out with a bunch of strangers drinking beer in a in a parking lot. But just kind of that 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 commonality and, mm-hmm. and you know hanging out
3: brings people together
0: so not only do we go to the games and we enjoy the games but we talk about the games and podcasting obviously has become a big thing for us over the last couple of years but matt you're part of the pack a day podcast crew how did you get involved with them and how long have you been doing the podcasting
3: so i've been doing it for about five six years we put out like two thousand episodes consecutively by no means as you gentlemen know is it possible for a single person or group of three to put out a podcast every day? So we have a group behind us, an ever evolving group. It's kind of had some of the same core people, eight to nine, but you know, people evolve, have families take this podcasting or writing career and take it into a, you know, a truly a real job. Alex Strofe is one I'd like to plug real good guy. He's from um, the pointer. He's a pointer. Hell, geez, that's wow. The world is too small. But Alex, is cool <laughs> we,
2: we've actually guy. had him on this podcast before. connection. Alex
3: is great. I, he was on um, a couple of things I did at one point. My parents were listening. They said, Is that his real voice? I said, Well, it is his real voice. He's 19 or 20 years old. And if you don't hear this kid on the radio in the next five years, radio doesn't know what they're doing because this kid's very talented. So yeah. he's been on for a while. Him and I actually have some plans when he comes back to. The metropolis of denmark during christmas he's him and i are going to get together and hang out and just chop it up but he's uh he's doing great things so i actually this it's kind of weird how things work i kind of let things sometimes run their natural course otherwise i for- force feed them but i had went to a couple sporting events during one winter and uh one friend of mine said hey you ever thought about podcasting no not really went to a uwgb women's basketball game a friend of mine said man you you ever thought about like getting up i'm like why are this is weird. This happened like in a week's time. And I had done some radio in college for WGBX at uh, Green Bay, I did some television stuff there. I had some internships with like radio and TV, but got out of school was like, you know what, this isn't it. I'm not going to, you know, never want to be rich in life, but I don't want to be dead broke when I'm 35 and I've grinded <laughs> out for 10 years. So um, you got to find that sweet spot, right? Like I, it wasn't worth it to me. And I respect everyone that's done that. Cause I have some, my girlfriend's done that her father's done that in TV and radio and one is stuck with it. One is pivoted and it's, it's amazing. But um, you know, I was like, I need to find a passion, need to find a passion and years go by. And the passion at the time was partying and hanging out with the friends and watching games and doing whatever a young 20 year old does. And then found some more stability. And that's when that came about. And I was like, you know, I need to branch out. And I started doing some podcasting on my own um, interviewing some people that I knew personally in the green Bay area that are into different um, things than I'm in. One was a chiropractor. And picking his brain, he was actually a, a, a stud athlete where I, when I grew up in Stevens Point, uh, Mitch Sutton, he's a phenomenal football player. One of the best athletes I've ever been around, but he moved to green Bay. So I had him on my podcast, talk to a guy I used to work with who does um, like racing down in the Kikana, uh down there at the racetrack. And like, then I had a friend, and we would talk about hip hop music and just talk about what's going on with that. And we talked sports. I'd recap something fun to do during the shitty months of the winter. And then Andy put a tweet out, like the internet works. And I had a friend DM me, he said, Hey, You've been doing your own podcast. Andy's looking for, and the, the tweet's hilarious. If you go search on Andy's, it's basically he was looking for two or three people to help him with the podcast. He got like 300 submissions. And I was like, well, there's no way. I mean, I hit, hit him up with a DM. I think Andy doesn't even follow me on Twitter yet. And the rest is history. Set up a Slack group. Some of us made the cut. There's about 30 of us and we were paired up into two or threes and continue to go. Janelle Mack and I, who still record today, we've been paired differently, but her and I recorded our first episode about the Green Bay Packers, running backs coming into the season and it was uh Aaron Jones Jamal Williams were rookies and Devante Mays might have been the other one um and we recorded at Lambeau Field really stupid because they do tours at Lambeau Field so halfway through the episode here they come <laughs> here they come and her and I are at she's young in college and she's looking for my I'm like I guess we just pause we can edit later and it was just you learn, right? That was maybe the third or fourth episode of the entire entity, and we redid it. And of course, we've polished our production a little bit here and there. But truth is, some you know great things when it comes to how organic it can be, free flowing. I used to be pretty ridiculous with some editing I would do um, on that first podcast. I would do that my passion project, and then pack a day and it. At the end of the day, let it let it just let it come out. And if there's things you have to edit out because you say something that truly is you're an ass hat or you say something that you really stumble over your words um that's fine but let's let's make sure that it is organic and it is free flowing so it's been fun truly truly fortunate of it um met some great people through there like honestly I've been able to connect with guys like you I mean I've been on other podcasts and I I'd love to do it it's fun because it's 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 great it brings us together and I I truly think that the packers it just has opened up my eyes to what Packers fandom is and the passion behind it, because it's it's, it's incredible how many people with the internet started a podcast, started to stream something and it's taken off. Or you know what? Maybe it doesn't take off. And we did this for a few years. We went our separate directions, but we have this. We can go back to the internet and scoop this up and show our kids or our friends. I still have friends that reach out to me from my old, old, uh, it's called In the Fray. My dad came up with it. Fray, like Fray, whatever. <laughs> he came up with it. And I have friends that still say, hey, I'm still subscribed to you on this. I'm like, well, you're not going to see an episode unless something crazy, drastic happens. I don't plan on, but it's it's cool that those still live there, and you can reference back and think back to the 20, 2021 season and look back on certain things, and it's just a rolodex of what's out there. So podcasting's great, streaming. I mean, just with the content we can put out is it's it's amazing, and to share it is is it's truly special. The people that like my father or my grandparents that don't understand it, like I can be like, hey, I'm on YouTube. I I have an episode that has a couple thousand views or listens, like. Why would someone listen to you a thousand times? Well, not me, or I've, I have X amount of followers on Twitter. And my dad says, man, that people actually give a shit enough. It's thank you, dad. That's, that's great motivation. <laughs> so it's, um, it's fun. I love it. And honestly, it's, I think you come to terms with it. If it progresses and keeps growing large, or if it's a passion project or wherever it takes you, you're just kind of like, whatever, who gives a shit? Let's record, put it out there. It's therapeutic. True. Truly. I mean, talking it, yeah, about it, the giants game, it's therapy.
0: If that really what kind of how it started for us. We started in that in that um, 21 season and with high expectations at the end of that season. And, and that one episode, uh, it really became a therapy session. And <laughs> I think that was the name, the name of the episode even was the group therapy, just because that's what we do. You know, we ride those highs and we suffer together on the lows. And this is definitely a great outlet. So we enjoy it and, and glad that you enjoy it. So where can people find you that you're at is on the screen, but for those that just listening. You're on Twitter, where else can you be found? Yeah, Twitter you can find me
3: at Matt underscore Frey underscore. It's at M A T T underscore F R A underscore. Trying to get that Instagram page up. Really would like to hit a thousand followers, but you know, don't put a lot of focus on it. I don't have I don't have enough kids or dogs to post on there to get the algorithm I think they'll work but Twitter is where I do most of my damage uh, truthfully I do work in uh, e-commerce and in marketing so if someone wants to link connect with me on LinkedIn happy to do that it's I've been trying to focus on there because I think there's a, a huge platform there I actually got my last two jobs from there just based off of someone reaching out and taking a couple zoom conversations so um, but truly Packers related let's stay focused here on Twitter hit me up there reach out at any time message me dm me i assume my dms are open i believe they are if any takes you want to go through i'm I'm happy to converse i I love conversing with people and talking about different ideas and different things that maybe they've seen at the game they're at or something that they have questions on or what should we do with the draft picks because there's all all sorts of questions people have and you know it generally it's it's pretty pretty solid people so reach out to there and then of course unpack a day have to plug that andy herman he is the absolute dude not only is andy an incredible work ethic, uh, but a great person, like truly a great guy. It's tough to not want to see him win. So I appreciate that. I've been able to honestly follow him along for the ride, but check out anything Andy's doing. Cause it's great quality work. Um, he does like the happy hours. he does on Fridays for live streams at like four o'clock central time. He'll do like weekly pop ups. That he did one today at like Wednesday at seven o'clock on YouTube. He does the Q and A like he did at the Badger State Brewery, which was an impressive turnout. Neil, if you were there, about three minutes before it went, Andy was a little nervous. There was no one there because they didn't know where we were, and all of a sudden, people just congregated. It was amazing. Packers fans flowed in, whether they knew it was going on or not. Um, but definitely check us out, Packaday Podcast on Twitter, YouTube, absolutely, because you get daily episodes there um, from the video side, and then of course anywhere you guys are listening to uh, GB. T chat or gbc chat excuse me like if you're following them already on there just navigate to the search bar type in pack a give us a subscribe follow we'd really appreciate that but i always say at, at 2000 episodes if you haven't followed us or found us yet that'd be kind of crazy but there's a ton of packers content out there and i respect everyone that puts it out because it's it's a cool entity
0: and certainly one last thing we need to talk about is this game coming up on sunday yes we'll be there tailgating in lot one it's a home game and it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into town. Here's the anomaly on this game, you guys. Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two years ago, he was in Green Bay on Christmas Day as the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Last year, on December 19th, he was in Green Bay as the starting quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. This is his third December game at Lambeau Field, starting for his third different team. That is a next-gen stat if I've ever heard one He's lost the other two games. Is that losing streak going to remain coming into Sunday?
2: I think the main thing we're hoping for is a Florida team coming into Lambeau in December. We've certainly had good luck this year, and we've had good luck historically with warm weather teams coming to Lambeau when it's cold. I think that the weather, even though it wasn't Wisconsin cold in November, played a role in us beating the Rams and the Clippers in our games previously this year. I think that it does have an intimidation factor. It gets into the heads of those players. And I think that's something that's going to help us. Now we need something to help us because these teams are actually very evenly matched. Overall offensive yards per games, Packers 18th, Tampa 23rd, defense it's 19th and 27th. So we're a little bit better, but neither of us is great two opportunities for us. Tampa Bay's run offense in yards per game is only 29th in the NFL. So we hopefully don't have to worry about the (laughs) Joe Barry defense being shredded by the Tampa Bay running game. And the Tampa Bay run defense is 10th, but the Tampa Bay passing defense is 30th in yards per game. And so we should have opportunities with our passing game against Tampa Bay. The only Other minor concern is that uh, as far as turnover ratio, Tampa Bay is plus six in turnover ratio. So they're tied for sixth in the NFL. We are a somewhat better team, but we've got the home field advantage. And that home field advantage in December hopefully will be enough to take us over the edge. Hopefully we take advantage of their weaknesses and they are not able to exploit ours. And the way it looks by those numbers is that we're reasonably well set up. Hopefully those trends continue, but those tre- those numbers also look good for the Giants game. But I think the weather will make a difference.
1: Well, you oh, had so. Matt Lafleur lose his first December game as Packer head coach, so hopefully he's a little salty about that um, and gets gets on the players. Uh, the other thing that another stat: the Packers are fourteen and one at home against Tampa since nineteen ninety. So hmm. that's pretty solid. Now, not all those games kind of were in December, but maybe that, you know, that's going to uh, increase our chances even more. John, you have a a kind of a first look forecast?
0: Yes. It is going to be cloudy, mid 30s. Any precipitation should be ending by Saturday. uh, So it could be another relatively mild day, just cold and and overcast.
2: And the other thing that we've got uh, hopefully going for us is maybe we'll get some of those. Players back from injury, so it looks like Eric Stokes is going to be activated onto the roster. We did have some new injuries, but thankfully Jaden Reed was not a concussion, and so we have a good chance of at least having Jaden Reed back. We at least have a possibility of Christian Watson, and as much as anything, seeing some of our defenders, seeing Quay Walker in particular and Jair Alexander. I think we really missed both Quay and Jair in that game against the Giants. The results might have been different had they been there if we can just get anything that helps us from an injury perspective, this could be the thing that really allows us to build momentum and keep momentum through the rest of the season.
3: Neil's delivering in a great way where it gives me the dumb and dumber gift. So you're telling me there's a chance, but like <laughs> <laughs> Rashad white dynamic guy of the backfield. That's kind of their only piece to have at the run game right now. I, I, I kind of like his skill set. kind of a scrappy guy. He's got a guy under center, Baker Mayfield, very very gritty. That you can say what you want about Baker. I like the way he plays football and whatever. And then Todd Bowles, not surprising, plus six turnover margin. That de- those defenses normally normally good. Um, the matchups, though, I'm pretty interested. I guess the, the two would be the the pressure they can get off the edge. Whether Vita Vea, um, when he's been healthy against the Packers, has been pretty dominant. Um, I know they're missing a piece or two on the edge that they you know, typically have had in the past, but Shaq Barrett's still there, Devin White. I think Devin White's banged up right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the other one, um, this kind of makes me think back to the Broncos game. We had referenced that earlier in the episode when Cortland Sutton was just taking the lunch of whoever the cornerback was covering him. I'm wondering how Mike Evans, after having a pretty bad game last week, just statistically, and then a Chris Godwin, who's been hit or miss this year, a couple of injuries. I wonder how they will attack that secondary that more than likely won't have all the starters in so that's kind of where I would look to um I, I'm hoping we can hold Rashad white to minimal yards he's really not that productive of a player but we've said that before and I've I've had to eat those words. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I think like you, you laid it out. I'm, I'm excited to see what the game looks like. Both teams have a lot to play for. I would, I would imagine at this point, bucks are still in some contention for the win the South, if they're not even tied or leading, I don't even know at six and seven, it seems crazy. You could be leading a division, but nonetheless, uh, it's the NFL. And I think there's both teams have a lot to play for. So it should be, should, should be pretty fun. Battle of the Bays, as we say. NFC Norris as Chris
2: Berman would say. Yeah.
1: Well, and I, uh, I'm hoping that the defensive line gets some pressure and mm-hmm. if they can rattle Baker Mayfield, he he has a tendency to just chuck it up. Really hoping that we that uh, defensive line can get some more pressure, and the, therefore we don't have to worry about the receivers as much. Potentially carving up our defenders that are playing off maybe five or ten yards, <laughs> whether it's first down or fourth down or game on the line. So it's a warm weather team coming up to Lambeau. It's not you know going to be. Typical mid-December weather, but hopefully that's enough. As we saw, like Neil said, with the Clippers, kind of getting their head a little bit, and um, you know maybe they're going to choose the wrong footwear, whatever it happens to be. Like to see between the battle of the Bays, Green Bay, I think is get some more of that Lambo magic
0: that I've talked about. Right, we
2: the, the that John, that John, we have had that Lambo magic this year. Has been a very good year at Lambo for the most part.
0: Packer team and against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let's get that pass defense instead of the passive defense working any final thoughts as we make our way around, Matt, you're the guest. We'll let you go first. What's your final thoughts on the week?
3: I heard a lot of people after the KC game saying potential of the giants could be a snake bit game, travel to New York, Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> I had a tweet drafted up for Tommy DeFito I had to delete that. That wasn't, never saw the, <laughs> the light of the day, but There's an alternate
0: universe where it exists, yes.
3: There is, there is, there is. uh, What a a universe that could be. So, (laughs) you know what? I think they bounce back, short week, if you will, traveling Monday, coming back home. I think it's fine. I I think they get after Baker. That's kind of my guess. That offensive line was very, very damn good at a, a certain point. Even when Tom Brady was there, it started to fall off, and they've kind of just been really, really gashed over the years with some injuries and some guys getting a little bit too old and even not being productive. I mean, there—it's just not what it was. Ryan Jensen's not there anymore. Or he's there, but he's—he's he's injured. They got some young guys, so I think they can get after Baker. You put some pressure on Baker. He wants to play hero ball, similar to his—you know—his hero uh, in the background of both your gentlemen's screens here, Brett Favre. Let him make some throws that are not not too intelligent i think we can win the game so i don't have a i don't have a take on the uh, the over under betting efforts but i'm going to say the packers definitely win this one
1: i'll kind of echo matt uh, as well i i would like to see a win uh, again with that lambo magic hopefully when tampa comes up historically or at least over the last 3 decades they they've really dominated this team in green bay december at lambo even if it's not snowing not the snow globe you know what I think after Matt Lafleur's first December loss, like I said before, I hope he really gets gets on these guys. I hope we're not seeing the mistakes, the boneheaded plays, and just the the bad football that was uh, that took place last Monday night. They get things cleaned up. It's a noon game. Let's go pack.
2: That. Packers Giants game was an unfortunate end to a really good weekend in New York City. Packers everywhere did a really good job as far as organizing events. The night before the Packers Giants game, Sunday night, the uh, Mark Murphy showed up at Kettlefish, which is the classic Packers bar in New York City. I've been to Kettlefish for many Packers games over the years, including the 2010 NFC Championship game. It is owned by a person from Wisconsin. He always puts on a good show. It was a really raucous environment at Kettle of Fish. Uh, everyone drinking drinking beer and you know just Packers gear everywhere throughout the bar. This is a lovely place to watch a game. If you're ever in New York City on game day, go to Kettle of Fish. It's unfortunate that that start did not lead to a victory in MetLife Stadium. I'm looking forward to the Packers having learned from their experience at MetLife and building on that for the rest of the season. Go Pack Go.
0: And the other thing going on right now, it is the 30 for 30 documentary debut of Reggie White, the minister of defense going on tonight. It was 30 years ago in the summer of 1993. I was working for my college radio station, WWSP in Stevens Point, and we got invited to the Packer Media Day that summer. And so I did go to that. I did interview, among other players, Reggie White that day. I'm a big guy. I'm six foot three and i spent that interview looking up to mr white holding my (laughs) microphone in the air feeling like a child and the great thing about reggie is is when i talked to him that day what he wanted people to know is what he was doing outside of football that he had a vision for his foundation for his ministry to come into town to work with the inner city in although green bay doesn't have much of one or didn't at the time but green bay in milwaukee to promote the diversity, to get give people chances to start businesses. And he was laying the foundation, laying the groundwork for that during that interview. And for the life of me, I have no idea where that cassette tape is. I know I've had it. I've got to dig through my tapes to find it because it was amazing to hear what Reggie had to say. So please check out the 3430 30 on Reggie White as well. As for us, if you're watching us on YouTube, please hit subscribe, leave a comment. Don't forget, we are now on Apple Podcasts as well. You can find the GBC Podcast at Green Bay Chat. That's all one word. We are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Facebook is the GBC Podcast Green Bay Chat. Find our guest, Matt Freilich. He's on Twitter. Find the Pack-A-Day Podcast as well. And may you fully appreciate the magnitude of your impending good fortune. Thanks for joining us.
3: Good night. See you guys.